I woke up on Saturday morning, I looked at the Google Analytics and saw something like 500 or 600 simultaneous visitors to our website. Most employees would rather have the boss who at least tells them where they stand than the one who doesn't. You're listening to The Growth Show, a podcast that uncovers interesting stories and advice on growth from every corner of the business world. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Growth Show. I'm Kip Bodner, CMO at HubSpot, and your host today. I'm really excited today. We are talking with James DiSabatino. James is the founder of one of Boston's most delicious food trucks and restaurants, Roxy's Grilled Cheese. What people don't realize, though, about James is, unlike most other restaurant or food truck founders, he didn't go to culinary school. He didn't work in a kitchen. What he had was an idea, a little bit of personal savings, and he put those two things together and Roxy's Grilled Cheese was born. Let's talk with James, let's hear about his experience, and now learn what life is like now that he's made it big in the grilled cheese business. So James, tell us about the early days of Roxy's Grilled Cheese, how to get started. Like, you, you, it's, it's easy to say, hey, you know what, I'd like to make some grilled cheese yeah. and feed some people to grilled cheese, but it's different to say, like, I need to make enough grilled cheese to pay my rent right, and right. to do that kind of stuff. So, um, I can honestly say I, I didn't consider most of that in the, <laughs> in the, in the whole idea. Um, so originally, I wanted to start kind of like a bar and mm-hmm. uh, in restaurant, um, which I guess is kind of what we're doing now, uh, or that's kind of the track we're going down now. But um, a truck wasn't really the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did know that in L.A. and New York, like, trucks were kind of exploding. And in Boston, there there wasn't anything. Mm-hmm. So I would go on Craigslist and just try to find out, like, hmm, I wonder, like, who actually has trucks around here. Wasn't really finding anything. So the idea was kind of brand new. And people didn't know what food trucks were in Boston um, and definitely didn't trust them, like, wouldn't mm-hmm. eat off of them. So uh, I thought that was a great opportunity to be like, okay, well, I'm going to make grilled cheese sandwiches, and I'm going to find a way to buy a truck, so it's going to be a lot cheaper. And, um, you know, I think this is something that could take off. Like, I could see mm-hmm. I could see the city having, like, 10 or 20 trucks. Fast forward to now where there's over 100. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of where the truck idea came from. I guess it was just a little bit more affordable. Like, how did you um, get the money to buy the truck, though? Um, I was the lamest college student ever, so I worked pretty much seven days a week for okay. four years. So the two main things I did, I bartended uh, at a couple different places in Boston, and I worked for a record label. I worked for uh, Universal Music. So what I, I started work for them when I was a freshman, and I would basically call up radio stations, like, "Hey, can are you playing these songs? Can you play yeah. these songs?" So I got paid like eight dollars an hour, and I maxed out at like twenty hours a week. Okay. So I actually, my freshman year, I took uh, all those. Universal Records checks, which were not a lot of money, like $200 at a time. I put them all into an account, and I didn't touch that account until after I graduated. So I had all that Universal Records money (laughs) to put towards whatever I was going to do, buy a house or start a company or something like that. Um, And then, uh, I mean, I I really technically funded the beginning of Roxy's because I was still working. I was working three days a week while I started Roxy's. So um, it was really kind of pieced together. Um, Got it. In a way that I wouldn't necessarily like advise. Like I, you know, I speak <laughs> those it, listening trying yeah. to do this. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't do that. Um, but I mean, I think it's a testament to the fact that like I just needed to make it happen for myself. Mm-hmm. It was just something that um, I wasn't gonna claw back and say, okay, maybe I'll just go get a job. It was just something that was like, oh well, I'm doing I'm doing it because I have to do it. 
because I'm 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 curious about how this is gonna roll out, and that's why I didn't, I didn't factor in you know how much money we were gonna make. I didn't factor in how many um, people were gonna have to work for us. I the big picture there was no big picture. Um, I was able to develop that a little bit later on, but at the beginning it was just like, hey, I want to open a food truck because there are none. I want to sell grilled cheese because no one's doing that. All right, so you very differentiated idea. You get this truck. Mm-hmm. You're selling. You're selling some grilled cheese. You've made some some recipes for some sandwiches, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And then people start liking it. I imagine. So talk us through like you've done all this hard work, and it's you just maybe start feeling like it's starting to take off. That start really just starting to grow. Like what did that feel like? Tell us about that. Um, it was exciting, mostly because I had no idea what direction the company was going in, nor did I know how to get there. So it was just kind of this curiosity uh, factor that felt very exciting. Um, yeah. But what yeah. did you, what did you, <laughs> what, what made you feel like that was happening? Were there, it was like, was the, the time that like, there was a first like really big line at the truck. Like what made you well, feel like, Oh man, like we, we might be on to something. So, so like when we first opened, we would, um, you know, we'd open like nights and, and weekends mm-hmm. basically. So, People were uh, people would like kind of drive by. Our first spot was in Cleveland Circle. People would drive by, not really pay much attention to us. Sometimes they'd beep because it was kind of a new thing for mm-hmm. the neighborhood. Um, people eventually started trickling in. Um, but a month after we opened, we actually got a call from the Food Network to do a show called The Great Food Truck Race, to which I was like, no way, that's a terrible idea. We just opened our company. Why would we go do a TV show? Um, and of course, they sold me on the idea like 10 minutes later. And um, within three weeks, they put our truck on a flatbed, and we went out to L.A. and started filming the show. So uh, we started in L.A. It was a, so the show is like a multi-city show. Mm-hmm. You drive from city to city, sell food, and the the truck that makes the least amount of money goes home. Mm-hmm. So we made it to like the semifinals, which was seven, I think seven different cities. Um, and once we got home, it went from like zero. Everything went from zero to a hundred, and we had <laughs> no idea what was happening. We were going from like making a couple hundred dollars a day, um, you know, barely covering expenses. Most of the time, not covering expenses. Yeah. Every once in a while, we would, and that would be a good day, to uh, all of a sudden having, like, 75, 100 people in line just because they're like, oh, I saw those guys uh, on, on a commercial. And at this point, the show's not even on the air yet. So <laughs> we were, I was just, like, pulling my hair out, having, like, heart problems. It was crazy. <laughs> like, I, I, I really I had no idea what was happening. So, But that was kind of the point where we're like, all right, well, this is our opportunity. People are... We've we've now engaged people, so we we need to step our game up. Like we need to decide like what is this going to be? Is this just going to be something where uh, we're on the side of the road and we have two people in a truck and people? It takes people twenty five minutes to get their food, um, or are we gonna like are we gonna make this into a viable business? So I think that's the point where I was like, okay, I'm gonna decide. Um, I, I guess I, I decided to to think of it as a big picture. So, so you got your air quotes lucky break, as a lot of people would say. Uh, I think it's largely probably because you were one of the very first food trucks and they had mm-hmm. this idea and they're like, oh, we want some, we want people from lots of cities and they, mm-hmm. they probably did some research and found you guys. But it seems like you then made a really conscious decision to say, well, it'd be kind of a shame to waste waste this opportunity. And I think you, you kind of saw there was a bigger opportunity to take it there. And so what what is the business today and what, what what's that look like? So um right now the business is we still have the original food truck that we you know drove around the country with. Um we opened a second truck in 2012. We opened our first brick and mortar restaurant in the Austin neighborhood in 2014. 
we just actually just opened up a, a shipping container restaurant in South Boston. Um, so it's actually a it's a kitchen built inside of a repurposed shipping container. Um, and then later on this year, we're opening a um, an arcade in Central Square with our Area Four Restaurant Group, and we're opening our first restaurant in the suburbs. So um, it's weird to think too that like right now versus a few months from now, we'll we'll also be double in size. <laughs> um, so it's a. Uh, it's very interesting. Uh, and we also opened up a new, so it's kind of like a, a side venture of mine, opened up another concept called the Whole Heart Provisions, which is like a, a vegan-friendly, veggie-driven, fast casual. That's that's so. super cool. Mm-hmm. So you could, I, I, my interpretation is you could do all this because you have this pretty rabid community, rabid fans. I've had sandwiches at your trucks mm-hmm. many times. They're delicious. <laughs> and every time I do, I make the decision to wait in a line or to, you know, to, put, to do something where there's other options where I wouldn't have to do that because mm-hmm. I think it's really good. T- talk to us about like how you foster your community. Like what's how, how do you drive this rabid fandom that you guys have developed over yeah. the years? I mean, it's it's funny that you say that because it's tough to see that from in here. Like because it's <laughs> you know there's a lot of there's a lot of minutia every day. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of you know uh, random days. I'm just mm-hmm. kind of washing dishes for a little while to help people catch up. So sure. it's tough to see it from that kind of big. Uh, like CEO vision. Um, but I think from the beginning, I mean, it was really simple. Like we would just be asked to do community events and it seemed crazy for us to not be a part of them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, I think it was really word of mouth that kind of, you just try to do the right thing. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I mean, it, it only makes sense. It would only make sense to us. And, and like one of the things that really like kicked that off for me were when we first opened uh, our food truck in Cleveland circle, there was actually a petition that went out with all the restaurants in the neighborhood and they petitioned to kick us out of our food truck spot because they claimed that we were taking business away from them. This was like right after the mm-hmm. TV show came out. And um, the one the one restaurant that wouldn't sign the petition was Boloco. Mm-hmm. And like Boloco's, like I think everybody knows, like Boloco's mission is so community driven mm-hmm. and, and they do such a good job and everything they do is so important and it like trickles back to their staff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say that I was, pretty inspired by that by saying like you know like i think we should kind of go the extra mile and 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 i think this is we didn't have any money for marketing and it's mm-hmm. like i would much rather donate 500 sandwiches in my time mm-hmm. uh in my staff's time than than put an ad on the tee right, um, right so you know i mean it's very it's very simple stuff um and this was like also at the time where like twitter was kind of taking off and people were really relying on mm-hmm. on uh location yeah, finding out our you were tweeting where you yeah. were, and people so, would I mean, very, be aligned when you showed up. Right, right, right. I mean, very, very simple stuff. So, you know, some early days social media interaction, um, telling the story, and then getting in front of as many people as possible and trying to make a positive impact. But it's like, but it's also other things. Like you have like a very dynamic logo. Like you're wearing your your, your shirt yeah. today. <laughs> it's like you put a lot of thought and care, I think, to the details of something where you could have just you know bought a truck and yeah. you know. Hung a vinyl side on a sign on the side right. of it, and that would have been that, right? So right. it seems like there's maybe a little more to it. Than, I mean, yeah, than I mean, I was trying to do the right thing. Yeah, I mean, I did go to school for marketing, so I guess I guess that plays into it because you know I knew that it would have to be a, an entire experience you're building, mm-hmm. not just like putting a sandwich out in a nondescript truck. Um, you know, I think it was imp- you know the first few days we were opening, like I was getting paranoid about like the sandwiches having to look perfect, the bread have to have be the perfect color the cheese would have to be perfectly melted but also um the music would have to be the perfect level Mm -hmm. it'd have to be the perfect uh soundtrack and i mean that's all that's all important it just it uh it kind of creates a whole experience um 
And if any of that is missing, it might make the other pieces of it feel less valuable. I think that's really good advice for people listening to this is the macro ideas and execution of that matter a lot, but so does the minutia of that general experience. And it doesn't matter what your business is, having a really cohesive customer experience and thinking about what you want the people to feel who are mm-hmm. interacting with you is, is super important. When you... Was there a time when you were doing all this? It's been a wild ride over the past mm-hmm. years that you felt like you made a mistake at the time, but it ended up turning out to be something that was positive down the road. Like you're like, oh man, it stinks, but oh, in hindsight, it was actually yeah. really lucky. Um, yeah. So I actually I don't share this too often, but we um, we almost more. we were almost acquired in 2012 by a big uh, a, a very large restaurant group mm-hmm. um, in the southern U.S. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a very long process. Um, it was someone who kind of came in and, and expressed interest in our concept and wanting to grow it and kind mm-hmm. of putting together these plans for us. And, and I was very attracted because I was very new and I was like, oh well, maybe this is this is kind of me fast forwarding. Uh, mm-hmm. This this is me being able to see my ideas come to life um, on a much larger scale without me having to do the work. So it was very very attractive to me. Um, and that process went about. Um, it was about 11 months that we were working on that. And um, right as everything was actually about to close, um, I started feeling, you know, I was like, oh, maybe this isn't the right move. Um, you know, I never did this for the money, so the money didn't really interest me. Mm-hmm. It was really about seeing the, the brand gr- uh, grow enormously. Um, but at the very last minute, everything kind of fell apart, and uh, the company actually was also courting another company similar to ours, kind of playing us against each mm-hmm. other and actually um, – kind of, I, I don't want to say copied, but um, took some influence mm-hmm. from what they've learned from us and uh, created their own concept, very similar. So it, I felt kind of burnt by it. Um, yeah, you know, I was, absolutely, I was, yeah, you should. I was, I was uh, 24 years old at the time, and it was like, oh, like you get really excited. It's like your first girlfriend, right? It's like, you know, <laughs> the first person that, you know. Oh, um, they like I had, me. You know, I had, like the, me. I had the corsage pinned on me, and I was ready for the dance, and then uh, they walked out of the room. And um, at the time, it felt, it felt sad. I was, it felt like, oh, well. You know how much longer is it going to take me to get my business there? Um, but in hindsight, it, you know it allowed me to keep all the power and grow at the speed that I wanted to grow. Um, and you know, for us, it's about like we have to be profitable, so we can't grow that fast. We have mm-hmm. to make money. I have to be able to pay my rent. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, I would say like, you know, we're growing moderately and at the speed we want to. Maybe a little slower, but I have no problem with that. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh- Conscious growth, growth that's go, that you're very conscious of right. how you want to grow. It seems like you have a longer t- long term vision, but you're okay grinding it out to get there. Yeah, totally. I mean, you can't, especially in the restaurant industry where where it's such a personal experience for people. I, I've never understood the idea of growing quickly because, I, I mean, I feel like growing quickly comes at a huge cost to like a company culture. You know, mm-hmm. I think of like a culture like baking, like you, you're never going, you're not going to find a way to bake muffins faster. You know, like it's something that just takes time mm-hmm. and like every little, every little aspect of it is important and just trying to rush that, um, I, I think just eats away at kind of like, if you're really looking to put out some quality that reflects you, um, speeding it up just doesn't, doesn't actually get you, uh, the results you want. So let's, let's think about today. So yeah. now, now you're, things are going well, you're really successful. But it had to have been hard. Like looking back on everything, like, do you still need to put in the crazy hours? Is life still nuts today, or is it coming to balance yeah, at all? It, no, it is. It's de- <laughs> it's definitely nuts. Um, it's still it's it's challenging. I mean, people from the outside might not understand that the food industry is a, a blue collar job, mm-hmm. and it's 
seven days a week, uh, morning, noon, and night. You know, uh, we start. People start getting in the kitchen at six or seven a.m. and we're closing the restaurant. Um, you know, twelve or one in the morning. That's 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 a lot of time where your your attention could be needed. Um, and you know, as we as we grow, it's not exactly easy to kind of like step back and and it doesn't grow on its own. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's there's always uh, with with trucks especially there are more problems than you can ever imagine. So, I mean, just like you're running. What's, what's the craziest truck problem ever? Let's, um, let's take a slight detour. Oh People um, want to hear this. Okay, so we have a, uh, we have a hood fan. Um, so so a, a hood fan is basically something that when you're cooking sandwiches or really anything, it just pa- basically sucks up the grease or sucks up the steam yeah. and uh, sends it out. So we had one on the side of our truck. This was our first truck back in 2011. This is one of the first really weird things that happened. Um, it was also... Uh, that same day, I was doing a photo shoot. Uh, so so I'm, I'm referencing one specific day. Mm-hmm. This day, I had a photo shoot for the Improper Bostonian. They said I was one of the most eligible bachelors in Boston, <laughs> which is hilarious <laughs> um, because, you know, because I'm me. But, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but uh, so I'm at the photo shoot getting, like, I'm literally having my makeup done, which is the first time this has ever happened to me in my life. Mm-hmm. And I get a call, and uh, someone says that an MBTA bus drove by and knocked our hood fan off of our truck. Oh, so, no. and I thought that was a like at the at the time I was like this is not a good time for this to be happening, but it really like represented an incredible intersection between what maybe people think that the entrepreneurial life is like and what it's actually like. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm getting my makeup done, but at the same exact time I'm getting hit by an MBTA bus. So <laughs> it's never as glamorous as no, anybody not at wants all. it not to believe. And the pictures right? were not good by the way. And if you ever <laughs> reference it or put it in the video or something, oh, uh, man, I, I looked I looked not not great. You probably looked a little stressed after <laughs> uh, that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I think off, I think they actually photoshopped out the crow's crow's feet, which was good. <laughs> so <laughs> so do you think so this thing keeps growing. Do you think you'll get to the point where it's ever gets a little less crazy? It gets a little bit more balanced. Uh, I don't know. No, I. You know, truth or you be like told, it that way. I was gonna say, truth be told, it's probably part of. Um, it's probably just part of my makeup. I like when things are a little crazy. I like not knowing what I'm getting into. Um, I mean, that's how the company started. I didn't yeah. know where it was going. Um, but yeah, I think the hectic lifestyle um, is fun from time to time. But, you know, it, it, it takes its toll on you. It takes its toll, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what advice do you have for uh, folks for folks listening that might have that idea that is festering in their head that they just, you know, can't get rid of? It keeps coming back every day. What, what would you tell them to do? It's tough. Um, you know, I used to tell people, go for it. But then one person came up to me and was like, all right, I have this idea. And I can't stop thinking about it. And I said, "What's that?" And he said, "It's uh, he's like it's a type of chip that specifically fits inside of a salsa jar." And at that point, I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna stop telling people to go for it because that's a terrible idea." Um, <laughs> that's terrible. What idea. do I tell people? Um, I, I would say, you know, I think the first step is tell a thousand people about your idea. Mm-hmm. Not like not like you and your friends. Tell a th- tell a stranger about your idea, um, and find out if it's. If it if it would really work, yeah. Um, I I didn't do that. Uh, full disclosure, <laughs> I didn't do that. Um, in fact, most of my family thought it was a terrible idea. But um, that's I, you know, a sign I think, of good ideas. I think you need I think you need honest feedback on it because you know I, some people I speak to you on a regular basis who have like incredible ideas um, and great vision. Some people have great ideas and you know not great ideas for execution mm-hmm. for executing that idea. Um, I think I think the first thing you'd have to do is just tell everybody about it get everybody's feedback 
and then decide if you really want to do that. Um, that's kind of what happened when I decided, uh, I decided before I actually started a company that I wanted to open a, uh, a limousine company. <laughs> I thought it was so great. I was like, this is, this is, oh my, this is the best business plan Vegetable anyone's ever going to see. The future. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like, this is going to be the next Virgin Airlines. And, uh, <laughs> and then, you know, I just talked it through with people and people were like, well, dude, there's way better opportunities out there. And finally, after enough people told me, I believed them. Yeah. So, um, n- not to dash anyone's dreams, yeah. but I think there's also the opportunity to realize you might even have something bigger than than what you think it is. Yeah, a little market research yeah. one yeah, way or the right. other to kind of validate or, or disprove. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thanks for your time today, James. Oh, Appreciate that's it. it man. Oh, man. That's easy. We're yeah. off the hook. That was awesome. Thanks for listening to our show. As always, we would love to hear your feedback. Tell us what you think by leaving a review on iTunes.